Amen. Well, the, um, this is a part two, part one I, I gave on Sunday, and I, and I call this um, the last words, the last words of Jesus. And in, as you heard a reading in, in John 19, and um, we come again to the very last words of Jesus Christ. You see, there's seven sayings on the cross. I don't know if any of you done your homework. You went away and you Googled it on your iPhone or on your computer and you, and you asked a question, you know, how many things did Jesus say on the cross? Well, the answer will come back to you. There were seven things that Jesus said on the cross. And I believe that Jesus would have preached a sermon on that cross. If it wasn't so difficult to breathe, it wasn't so painful to speak, I think Jesus would have said a lot more. But it was very difficult even to say one word, to raise yourself up, to bring air into your lungs and to be able to speak a word was great pain for him to do that. And so there was only seven things that he said while he was on that cross. And we come to the very last thing, the very last word that he spoke. And we have it here in our reading. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Final words. It is finished. Now, some people, not knowing the story of Jesus, will conclude that Jesus had given up. It's been a hard few days. He's been subjected to whipping, spitting. Men been abusing him, pulling out his beard, spitting on him. He's been whipped and whipped and whipped again. And now he's nailed on that cross. And as he is on that cross, he suddenly breathed. He's last, and he said, at last, it's all over. It's finished. All the abuse and all the spitting is over. Some people may think that's what he meant. It's all over. Others might conclude that maybe when he said it is finished, they might conclude that, well, he didn't have an easy life. While he was on the earth, there were people against him. Um, there were people um, plotting his demise and wanting him to be, to be killed. And he had a hard life those three years. And so now he's on the cross. And because of his hard life, it's all over now. And he's saying, oh, at last, it's finished. Well, my dear friends, nothing can be further from the truth. And so in order for us to discover what Jesus really meant when he said it is finished, I want to look at it in three sections. The first section that I want you to look at is predictions. Because when we think about the words, it is finished, we need to look back into the Old Testament. You see, the Old Testament has something to say to us about why Jesus said it is finished. And when we look back in the Old Testament, we go back to the Garden of Eden. 
And as you can remember, in the Garden of Eden, Eden, Satan appeared. And the reason why Satan appeared in that garden is to get the man and the woman to obey, not God, but to get them to obey himself. That's why he came into the garden. He came into the garden. Some people think about it, you know, the tree and they say about the, the fruit and they think about these things. But the ultimate thing that he wanted to do was to get them to obey himself and to disobey God. And so the Bible turns around and says something about that in the New Testament. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one you obey. The one you obey, you become their slave. And that's what Satan wanted to do. He wanted to get man to obey him. And you know what? He succeeded. Look at our society today. Look around. Ask yourself a question. Who's being obeyed more? in our society, God or Satan? Silly question, really. We know that men seem to be senseless, faithless, ruthless, heartless. They seem to be men who are arrogant, insolent, boastful. They seem to have no compassion. God-haters. That's our society in which we live. Yesterday I was reading the news and I just read that in London, within 24 hours, three men were stabbed to death. Within a very short period of time, in London itself, young men being killed, 18, 19 years old, being stabbed to death. And they've been killed by young men who are 23, 24 themselves, lives and families being ruined. This is our society. Now I ask you, who is being obeyed in our society today? Surely not God. So when we come to the cross, before we come to the cross, God says to Satan in the garden, let me just tell you that, God said to the, to the serpent, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because the serpent has got the man and the woman to obey him, because you have done this, cursed are you. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. And so we come to the cross. And you know, Satan was at the cross, you know. In fact, Satan was all around Jesus' life. Do you remember even when Jesus started his ministry, Satan came. And do you know what Satan tried to do? He tried to get Jesus to obey him. You know the story. If you are the son of man, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. If you are the son of God, throw yourself off the highest peak of the temple. If you are the son of God, bow down and worship me. He tried. He tried to get Jesus to obey him. And then when he came to the cross, he was there again. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. How many times was that told him? 
Everybody went past, mocking him, scorning him. They turned around and said, if he's the son of God, come down and we believe you. Who was really speaking? I tell you who was speaking. Satan himself was trying to get the son of God to obey him. And as he tried to get the son of God to obey him, Jesus, as he hanged on the cross, turns around and before he died, said, it is finished. I have crushed Satan's head. The one who had victory over men. The one that Satan had able to get men to obey him. I have crushed him under my feet. It is done. I have accomplished it. He tried to get me to obey him. He tried to get me to do what he wants to do. But I have finished. I completed what God has sent me to do. Praise be to God. You know, the New Testament writers picks it up as well. And they turn around and say, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's why he appeared. And he accomplished it. He finished it. The job was not done by Adam. Adam failed and every man after Adam failed again and again and again to have victory over the devil. But there was a one, con, one man who came and he had complete victory and on the cross he said, I have done it. That was a cry. It wasn't a cry of defeat and at last it's all over. No, it was a cry of victory. My dear friend, Hear me, the devil wants to have victory in your life this morning. He ain't finished trying to have victory over you. In fact, he's here in the church this morning. First one in, last one out. He's there trying to steal the word of God from you. He doesn't want you to believe the gospel. No, 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 no. He doesn't want you to be saved. Absolutely not. He wants you to be in control. He wants to be in control of your life. Whether it's drugs or alcohol or or, or sexuality, whatever it is. He wants to be in control of your life. But I want to tell you something this morning. Jesus Christ has complete victory over him. Praise be to God. It is finished. You no longer need to be a slave to sin. You're set free. You can be a slave a servant of the almighty God. So that's the first thing I want to say to you. You're going to look back, go into the Old Testament and see there, there's many more, but I just choose that one. Because there, Jesus has been predicted to crush the head of Satan. And he says, I've done it. It is finished. Let's move on. But not only do I want to speak about prediction but also speak about mission. The reason why Jesus' last word, it is finished, is because he was sent on a mission. You know, I remember being a young lad, I used to watch those old Mission Impossible series. I don't know if you remember them, they made it new now with Tom Cruise doing the Mission But I remember the old ones, you know, where the guy used to receive a cassette player and people don't know what a cassette player is now, you have a cassette tape, and you put the cassette tape in, pushed it down, and pressed play. Do you remember those days? And after the message, 
was, was, was spoken, suddenly smoke came out of the cassette player. I don't know why that ever happened. But smoke came out of this cassette player and the guy had to throw it away before it exploded. That was the mission that was given to whoever. And in the same sense, Jesus was given a mission. In the same sense, Jesus was sent on a mission. Well, what was that mission? Well, the Bible tells us what that mission was. Jesus sent it himself. Look what he says in, in Luke 19. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the mission. Now, you can ask a question that needs to be asked, you know, who are those who are lost? And who are those who need saving? Although this question seems an easy question to ask, many people will disagree with you. Practically everyone will turn around and say, well, listen, I'm not lost. I'm certainly not lost. Look at my life. There was a look at my life. My life seems to be going quite smoothly. Thank you very much. I have a good career, a good job. I'm, I'm, I'm working very hard. Um, look, at my, um, look at my family. I've got a good family. See, my wife and my children are around me. I, I can't see why you say I'm lost. Some will say, well, look at my religion. I go to church on a Sunday. And, you know, I do good things. I put money in the offering bag. I'm not lost. What do you mean? That I am lost. I am not lost in any shape, way or form. Then they will, after covering that, you say, well, you're, you need saving. I say, saving? What do you mean I need saving? Saving from what? The bogeyman, the, the Bigfoot, Sasquatch? What do you mean I need saving? I don't need saving. And they will tell you these things time and time again. I am not lost. And I don't need saving. You go out and you ask anyone on the streets, do you need saving? They will say no. You ask anyone on the street, are you lost? They will say no. But Jesus will disagree with them. God will disagree with them. And the Bible will disagree with them. Because the Bible says, Jesus says, um, in, in the word, he says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. What Jesus is saying here, you know, well, there's a little small gate over there, but you know, there's, there's a big gate over here. It's broad, it's wide. And on that road, the road itself is broad. And guess what? He says, many, not just a few, but many are on that road. Now, if he was to stop that many, he'd say, do you know where that road is heading? They would say, I don't know where that road is going, but you know what, while I'm on it, I'm going to have the time of my life. I don't know where that, you know where you're going down that road? No, no, no. But while I'm on that road, I'm going to make sure I live it up. But you say, you know, that road, you're going. The Bible says it leads to destruction. You don't know where you are going. The Bible says it leads in destruction and many, many are on that road. And so, Jesus' death on the cross is the only way you can get off that road. 
There's no other way. So when Jesus said, I have a mission, I was sent for a reason. I was sent to seek and to save the lost. And the only way they can be saved, the only way they can be found, if I go on that cross and die, and because I die, I can say, it is finished. That's it. They have a way now. They can get off that road and they can enter into a narrow gate. In fact, that's what my next verse is. I mean, Jesus turned around and someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. My dear friends, the narrow door is open this morning. It's open every morning. Every hour it's open. And the Lord said, don't delay. Because I died on the cross, I have said, it is finished. That door is open. Come on in. Make every effort. Don't dilly-dally outside. Don't think about it and think, oh, maybe I should, maybe I No, make every effort. Put people aside, family aside, and make sure you enter through the narrow door. It is opened. Why? Because Jesus said, I've accomplished it. It's finished. The door is open. Praise be to God. Not only Satan want to keep you where you are, he wants to keep you out of the narrow way. And he wants to make sure you stay on the broad road. Are you on the broad road this morning? If so, come out. The Lord has said, it is finished. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Let me just um, finish by my third point. Not only um, has Jesus um, was sent because of the prediction, not only was he sent on a mission, but thirdly and finally, a debt. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Now the Greek word that he used for the word it is finished is this word here. It's a Greek word and it's called, it says, tete le sote. Tete le sote. That's the word he used in Greek. When he said it is finished, he actually used this word, tete le sote. What does that mean? It means nothing to you. It's all Greek to you, isn't it, really? But what does it mean? Well, it actually means paid in full. So, if you was in those days and, and you owe money for hay or, or, or a donkey or a sheep or a goat, and you bring your, your bill um, to the man, and, and you paid for your sheep, your barley, your goat, they will write on your bill, tete le sete, paid in full. I can remember when my, my father, I remember when he paid off his mortgage. Oh, that was a great day in my house. My dad was walking around the whole house, Upstairs and downstairs, in the garden, in the front garden. And he was saying, my house. And he was so, so glad that he paid 
his whole mortgage off. Now, some of us know that we're still paying a mortgage, and we got, we're under the groan and the strain of paying our mortgages. Some of us haven't even got a mortgage. We've got rent to pay, and we never will own our property. We're still paying rent all the time. But isn't it amazing? When you paid off your mortgage, and you can go to the, the bank, and they will send you a letter, and they will write, Tete le sete. Paid in full. Well, when Jesus Christ said, it is finished, he used an accounting term. Because there was a debt that you owed to God. There was a debt that you must pay no two ways about it. There's a debt that you owe and you must pay. One way or another, you have to pay this debt. But the Bible turns around and says in Romans chapter um, 3, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. Why does it matter? Well, God made you in his own image. God created you and God said, I want you to be like me, but you have sinned. And Ezekiel takes up the whole argument and Ezekiel says the one who sins is the one who will die the soul that sins shall surely die so if you sin whether it's taking stamps out of your office or whether you have done something tremendously horrible whatever sin it may you have done the bible says the soul that sins must Pay for their own sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You owe it. But guess what? Someone else paid it. Someone else paid the debt that you cannot pay. And so when Jesus would hang on the cross... And he said, Tete le sete. I'm paying a debt. Oh, he didn't have a debt. Why didn't he have a debt? Well, he's sinless. He was pure. He was righteous. He was the son of God. There was no sin in Jesus. He had no debt. But the debt he was paying was your debt and mine. And because he hanged on that cross, he was turning around and he was saying, I don't know if he shouted it out. I don't think he screamed it out. I don't think he had the strength to scream it out. But he whispered it out. Tete. Lesete. I've paid. I paid the bill. Some people pay a mortgage for 25 years. And when they pay, they say, oh, I've finished. I've done it. And they victory. And it's only a mortgage. But here... It's a sin of the world. And he says, Tete Lesete, I have paid the price for the sin of the whole world, your sin and mine. I've done it, says Jesus. Uh, the New Testament backs this up when Paul writes what he says. And you, who were dead in your sins, God made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt 
that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Hallelujah. Praise, somebody say hallelujah. Praise be to God. Here's the debt that you cannot pay. You have it. It's on your record. It cannot be moved. But Jesus pays the debt by dying on the cross and it's removed from you. Blessed is the man, says says, um, the, the Bible. Blessed is the man whom sin God will never, never charge against him. Never. Blessed is that man and that woman who sinned, God will say, I will never bring it up. I will never charge it against you. When you say, well, why not, Lord? Look at my list of sins. I've got so many. Why wouldn't you not charge it against me? Because somebody has paid your debt. Go free. Come into my kingdom. Now I say to you, what man or woman would not say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for What man, woman or child would not say thank you Lord for paying my debt in full? I ask you, what foolishness for men to turn around and say oh well it all sounds good but I'm going my own way, I'm going to stay on the road. What foolishness when someone had paid the debt for you, surely you need to turn to him and say Lord thank you, thank you, can I do, can I just serve you for the rest of my life? Can you be my Lord, my master, my king, my shepherd, my friend? The door has been opened wide. Lord, I want to be your servant. Jesus, on the cross, done three things. He fulfilled the Old Testament predictions. It is finished. He fulfilled his mission. That he was sent on. It is finished. And he cancelled the debt that you owe. Tete lesete. Paid. Paid. In full. Nothing for you to do. No, no, no. Don't even think about it. Faith in Christ. That's all you need. It's paid in The promise of a new life, the blessedness of being a child of God, being called a friend, being called someone who is a child, is all summed up in that word. It is finished. Tetele Sete. That's